Welcome to Modern Day Missionaries, a podcast by Modern Day Missions created for missionaries by missionaries. I'm your host, Stephanie Gutierrez. Missionaries and MKs, Taylor Berger and Josiah Hansen, talk about the transition from being pastor's kids to growing up and deciding to serve with their parents in missions. They discuss honoring their parents' legacy while finding their own ministry voice and share the powerful decisions their parents have made to help them in that journey. We look at the challenges and beauty of generational ministry and the importance of open-handed leadership, trust, and empowering the next generation to discover the unique ways God is calling them to follow Him. Welcome to this episode of the Modern Day Missionaries Podcast. I am excited about today because we've got on this episode my good friends Taylor Berger and Josiah Hansen. And just to let you know, get to know them a little bit, Taylor's one of the executive pastors at Community Vida in Lima, Peru, where we served for 10 years. So we got to serve together on staff, made some great memories there. And Taylor leads the creative team and strategic planning. He's also written an awesome book called La Iglesia Creativa, or The Creative Church. And he is married to my friend Chana, and they have four beautiful daughters. And Josiah is the associate pastor at La Fuente in Tepic, Mexico. He's on the teaching team there as well and helps direct the church's vision, strategic planning. And he's married to the incredible Mimi, and they have a son, Sawyer. And Josiah, I got to know for the first time when he was speaking at... It was at a youth conference, I believe, we had at Community Vida. Our big youth conference is when you came down. And that was so much fun. And both of these guys are two of the most creative people I know. They're sought-out speakers, brilliant at what they do. Uh, Both have very high-rated podcasts. If you speak Spanish, you got to check them out. Taylor co-hosts one with his dad, Robert Berger, called Asun de Iglesia on All Things Church. And Jesse has one called Armadillo where you dig into theology and life and you just never know what you're going to say. So it's always <laughs> exciting to listen to. And what I love is both of you are MKs. You grew up with parents who were and are pastors and you both continue to serve and work alongside your parents, which is pretty incredible. And that's what we're going to dig into a little bit today. But <laughs> I love these guys. We've got a lot of history yeah. and uh, so excited to talk about, yeah, just the things that you guys have experienced in serving with your parents, alongside them, for them, and then really uh, how you've been able to figure out who you are on your own in ministry as well. So that's what we're digging into, generational ministry, following your parents into ministry while also finding your own voice and calling. But before we dig into all that, I just want to throw a few questions your guys' way to to warm things up. (laughs) Bring it, bring it. I'm going to start with one of our favorite topics, which you guys are even bigger into this than me, but... Coffee. We're going we're gonna to go coffee. Oh, come on. Okay, Here, here's a question. You can appear in a coffee shop anywhere in the world right now. Which one and what do you order? Oof. I'll let Taylor that's go it. first. That's, that's so easy. That, um, it's uh, Revolver in Vancouver. By far my favorite coffee shop, hands down. And I'll probably get a Cortado. Uh, last time I went there, I've only been once. Last time I went, the Cortado had like blueberry notes. It was unbelievable. I can't get rid of that flavor. Yeah, I think for me, it'd be here in Guadalajara. Pal Real is my happy place in the world. And uh, I'd probably order a bunch of different types of coffee. Uh, I never think one is enough. <laughs> do you like to do that where you order side by side of different black coffees and do the comparison? 100%. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah, I just actually I just did it like 15 minutes ago. And uh, here at church, so 
Nice. Yeah, and are I, you guys? I, we joke around that, um, or we'd say that uh, that espressos are how you test the barista, and uh, filter drinks or pour over drinks are how you test the the you know the beans. So yeah. you usually want to order both. <laughs> I have not heard that. Do you guys have a favorite coffee yeah. preparation? Probably yeah. more than more than a favorite. It's it's more. I, I don't know. For me, it's more what I'm into right now. Uh, yeah. And I get I get obsessive yeah. about things. And right now I'm obsessed with the, it's called Aurea. It's a it's one of the filter methods. And it's I just and maybe it's because I can't I can't get the hang of it yet. And so I'm still trying to figure it out. And I'm obsessed. I'm um, actually after this this conversation, I'm going back and try to figure out some more stuff with this barista <laughs> that came over to see me. So same. Nice. I'm I'm obsessed right now with the V60 switch which you can block the flow, let it sit for a bit, and then you open it up and uh, coffee comes out. I love talking to you guys about coffee because you always say things I haven't even <laughs> so, heard of yet. So, so Steph, what's your favorite coffee right now? Yeah. What are you oh. into? Okay, well, preparation. I like a classic pour over. I mean, I, I'm into the clever dripper. It's It works every time. And yes. yeah. And that's that's probably where I'm at. And I just like trying, I think, new coffee all the time. I do a subscription to this thing called Trade Coffee, and they send you a new one every month that's just been roasted within the last couple of days. So I would say a light roast Colombian is probably my favorite right now. Oh, man. So, so, so let's talk about missions because we don't <laughs> – on the mission field, we don't get coffee subscriptions. Exactly. I know. I did not so, have that for all those years. So I almost feel mean <laughs> mentioning it, just being real. But Thank in Peru, you, we had killer coffee. Okay, but Mexico and Peru have great coffee. So, so there you go. That's true. <laughs> okay, I'm going to shoot the next question your way. As an MK, did you guys ever get a weird hand-me-down or have to wear an awkward outfit? And if so, what was it? Oh, man. You, Jesse, go first. We used to get VHS tapes. They would donate VHS tapes all the time. So we had the weirdest Christian movies at our house. A lot of Veggie Tales and a lot of End Times movies. And um, that was kind of what we watched growing up, were these sometimes taped over uh, you know you get towards the end but once in a while you get like the three amigos and then you get obsessed <laughs> or dumb and dumber or something like that but uh not not outfits though and never really got outfits but vhs tapes were were the weirdest hand-me-downs <laughs> or the chick tracks we'd get boxes of these chick tracks and they'd be in english and we couldn't give them out so <laughs> that's pretty good oh hand-me-down i don't know but I, I remember watching McGee and Me on VHS. Yes. Yep. Yeah, and that was it. And I, I watched the same the same McGee and Me where first <laughs> shall be last and last shall be first, maybe a thousand times. And uh, oh my hey, it, it changed my life. <laughs> we watched all those. I'm with you. Some people are listening to this. They're like, what the heck is McGee and Me? I'm sorry. You missed out if you did not get to see those. It was so good funny. times. And then... Jesse, a little rapture scare coming in yeah. on those VHSs. 100%. You know, nothing like some fear to just make you run just, after Jesus again. Just showing that seven-year-old the end of the world. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Good way to get traumatized. Well, well, one, of the, one of the craziest experiences with VHS is that uh, we're sports fans. And so we're watching the Chargers, our football team, in the playoffs. So there's no internet. There's no information. We didn't know what happened. 
and it was like two weeks after the game. We're watching the game, and all of a sudden, one of the last plays of the game is Chargers versus Chiefs, and uh, Nate, I think it's Natron Means is running the football to score a touchdown, and as he's running the football to score a touchdown, the tape ends. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> And, and some, you know how you have the long, long play and super long play recording? Yes. They, they, they didn't do the super long play. So we didn't know what happened for the next month. <laughs> oh, trauma, is... of, trauma of my life. There you go. Yeah. That is so awful. Also, that is a great story. Oh, my gosh. Okay, here's one for you guys to do for each other. If you each had to describe each other using three words, Jesse, what would you say about Taylor? Taylor, what would you say about Jesse? Uh, I think I think Taylor's known for being nice. He's definitely a nice guy. Um, creative, obviously, and uh, uh, nerdy. Yeah, probably a bit of a yeah. nerd. Yeah. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Is that oh fair? man, that's tough. That's that's fair. That's fair. I would say uh, Josiah is um, he's provoking, uh, just a little bit. Um, <laughs> incredibly insightful like he would be one of my uh one of my calls if i was on a game show and need to know some information i'll call jesse and also friend uh is a very good friend Mm. yeah those three things no those were nice little affirmation for each other right there too that was nice yeah (laughs) really good okay and the last question i always ask everybody what's one book that you are either reading right now or that you've read recently Oh man, I'm just about to finish. Uh, what is it called? Uh, I'm, I'm thinking Spanish. Manso y Humilde. Uh, oh, Gentle and Lowly. Da- Gentle and Lowly by Dane Ortland, and I am yeah. I'm completely just enjoying the mess out of that book. It's really just a brilliant, brilliant writer. Um, so yeah, that's it. Mm, yeah, that is a great one. I, I just finished about a month ago. Uh, Lust for Life, which is the story of Van Gogh, and um, been slow. It, it was one of those books. It was so good, you don't want to read another book. Uh, so I've been slow with the book I'm reading now, which is C.S. Lewis in the mid medieval mind. I don't remember wow. the author, but I'm, I'm like three chapters in. I've been really slow about it, to be honest. There are some that you just want to savor, though. You don't want to, yeah. or you can't. You just have to sit with it piece by piece. <clears throat> Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. You, you Steph, uh, what are you reading now? What am I reading right now? Okay, that's the question that makes me blank. I'm re- oh, I kind of know what I'm reading. I'm reading the good, good and no, good and beautiful by Rich Viotis. I'm missing a word. It's good and oh, beautiful nice. and something else. There's another word. Good, beautiful, kind. Okay. We're gonna go with that. I'll correct yeah. this later. Hey, I, I don't yeah. know the difference. Yes, and it's really good. I'm probably about halfway in. And uh, it's uh, it's even better than I thought it was going to be. So that's good. And look at you flipping the questions. I'm like, what on earth? <laughs> I, I'm not prepared at all. But it's fine. It's not like I prepared you guys for the questions either. <laughs> okay. So you guys have known each other for a very long time. How did the two of you meet, being MKs in different Latin American countries with such similar stories in many regards? Well, let me let me go first. I'll tell the real side of the story, and then Jesse can tell you the distorted side of the story. Sounds good. Uh, so basically, maybe 10 years ago, I remember uh, this guy on Twitter just sending me this video, like this link and video. Hey, we baptized. God's do something good in our church. Check out this video. 
so I go check out this video, and this is um, it's a really awesome video of all these kids being baptized at a youth group, and uh, like spontaneous baptisms kind of a thing. And I'm like, this is awesome. So I clicked onto to the Twitter feed, and he sent the same video to everybody and their mamas. And I'm like, <laughs> like, like spamming people. I'm like, this this dude is spamming me. Okay, whatever. So. I, I swear that I blocked him. He says I never blocked him. But anyways, I kind of just like, eh, whatever. It turns out many years later, we, we uh, I'm at a, a Efecto, which is a, a conference in Morelia with Andres Speaker. And um, and Jesse was there too. And we just started talking in the green room. And the rest is kind of history. So, um, yeah. So, yeah. Jesse, what's your version of the story? <laughs> Uh, I, I won't, I won't deny that I spammed a lot of people. <laughs> I wanted that. everybody to see what happened in, in our youth group, but I don't, I don't, I don't do that anymore, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, uh, I was stalking Camino de Vida for a good long time. It was one of those churches in Latin America that was, I don't know, doing what we, we wanted to do someday. So I, I guess it was kind of, a. Uh, in Spanish, we call it a punto, punto de referencia, but just like a, yeah. uh, just to point towards someone that was like, okay, they're they're about ten years advanced, and maybe we wow. could kind of look like that. So I was following Pastor Robert and Taylor and and Camino de Vida and their creative team and trying to get any in, and of course it, it had to come through g- going to a conference and stalking him there, and then later we became. Friends. Well, well, actually, I'll, 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 there's, a, there's a really fun story that uh, kind of consolidated the friendship, at least on my end, is mm-hmm. that uh, we're, we're, we became friends at that conference. Later on, we were invited to the same conference to speak in Chicago, which that's a whole story in itself. And uh, a month later, we're having our youth conference here, the one you mentioned, Steph, and Mark Pettis which is the youth pastor at Highlands, um, he couldn't make it because his, his wife is having a baby. And he called me last minute. And so I'm freaking out with like three days to the conference. And I just think, okay, w- would Jesse come? And we're, we're friends, more acquaintances, but not besties. And I call him and, I, and he goes, hey, man. Oh, no, I text him and said, hey, would you want to come to Peru? He goes, oh, I'd love to come to Peru. And I said, would you come tomorrow morning? And it was 9 p.m., <laughs> he goes, uh, just give me a second. He goes, talk to me, me, his wife. He comes back and says, I- I'm in. So I bought him a ticket right there. And uh, literally 12 hours of notice, he was he was in Peru uh, the next morning. And we had the best conference here in Peru. And I said, that, that's, that's someone who I want to do my life with. That's a good okay. friend. And I remember that because I remember how freaked out we all, we were on staff at the time. I remember how freaked out we all were. Like, what the heck is going to happen? Because we had done so much promotion for Mark Pettis to come down. Like, that was that was the year we had really promoted that hard. And then all of a sudden, yeah. last minute, it was like, who's going to come? Yeah. Josiah came to save the day. And then you killed it at that conference. It was... Killed it. So if that's the place where your guys' friendship really solidified and took off at that was was then yeah yeah it was yeah. that it was that year right that, that yeah. was eight eight years ago that year we ended up seeing each other like i think five times maybe yep. six and uh and it just i don't know something clicked and honestly it was is a, a prayer answered for jesse i know that it's part of his testimony 
to meet me and to, I don't know, but a hundred percent. No, it was honestly, it, it's a godsend yeah. friendship, uh, yeah. where yeah. I feel like I, I didn't deserve a friend like this ever. Yeah. Same. Hmm. Well, and doing ministry of any type, uh, friendships are so key, especially when it's people that just can get you and have had similar walks in life. And so for you guys, you have the similar experience of having been born in the United States and at a young age moved to another country with your parents to be missionaries. Yeah. You guys essentially, though, like grew up a lot of your grown up years in the country that you moved to as missionaries. So what is that like for you both to feel that sense of belonging to two countries? Yeah. Um, for, for me, I don't feel at home when I go to the U S uh, I, when I was three months old, um, I was, my, my parents came to Mexico as missionaries. My, my, my joke I always say is I'm a missionary's kid, pastor's kid, adopted and homeschooled, and I still love Jesus. Um, <laughs> That's a but, miracle right there. <laughs> yeah, it's a miracle. But we came to Mexico when I was three months old, so I was basically raised here. And I speak English uh, <laughs> because at home we spoke English. You know, my, my mom, it, it took her a few years to get Spanish, so we didn't really speak Spanish at, at home. But I speak Spanish 90% of the time. I, I rarely speak English to anybody but my parents down here. And um, so my wife speaks 100% Spanish. She understands English, but refuses to speak English to me. My son, I guess I'm, I'm working with him to speak English. But like last week, I was in the US uh, for about a week and I just, I didn't feel at home, you know? It's, so that's one of those weird things where it's like down here, you don't feel like you really fit because people see you as American. But then you go back up to the U.S. and uh, you don't feel at home because you don't you don't really understand the culture or you're not used to it. There's a bit of a culture shock every time I'm in the U.S. Yeah, it's it's kind of one of those those weird you don't you don't fit in anywhere. But I guess that's that's part of the calling. Yeah. How about you for you, Taylor? Yeah, um, same but different. Uh, I ended up moving. I moved to Peru when I was two years old. Um, I moved back to the U.S. when I was 15. On my own, uh, my parents stayed back here in Peru, and so my culture shock was was definitely going back to the U.S. at 15. I was a Peruvian in in gringo skin, and uh, all my mannerisms, my accent, uh, just my way of thinking was Peruvian. And so I arrived for my sophomore year, and it was hell on earth because I didn't fit in. And definitely, there's a transfusion of of culture that happened throughout the next three years of high school. And I'm so thankful that God gave me the gift of being able to be in the U.S. for 10 years before I moved back to Peru as a missionary myself. And so I think I really believe I have the best of both worlds to where I'm, I'm 100% Peruvian, 100% American. And I wouldn't have it any other way, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. And then also you guys have served underneath your parents as part of their staff for, mm -hmm. I mean, probably as, almost as long as you can remember the time that you've lived there. But I think what's been really interesting yeah. for me as I've watched the two of you is you walk this really beautiful balance of honoring your parents, serving them, being a part of their ministry, but then also having had the space to find your own voices and your own calling. So for you guys, what were some of the challenges of transitioning from being known as the pastor's son, serving under your parents, all those growing up years, 
to then becoming a young adult and needing to find your own voice in ministry as well. What, what was that like for you both? Yeah, I've, I've learned a lot from Taylor, so I'm gonna let him take the lead on this one. He's Look at that honor. Help. So, so go for it, Taylor. <laughs> oh man, beauty uh, before age. No, that's not the way it works. Um, I, I don't know. I think I, I have an advantage because I left. Uh, so I left home from 15 to 25. So I kind of came back reinvented. Uh, it's funny. I always, always think about uh, Legends of the Fall. Uh, with uh, shout out to Brad Pitt uh, when he goes and comes back different, you know, and uh, that's always a, a mindset of mine. I left and I came back different. And so I didn't, I, I didn't really come back as the pastor's son, although people saw me like that. I didn't carry that anymore. Uh, mm. And that was a, that was a huge blessing for me to be able to, to not, and my, and my parents never put that weight on me. I think it's the same thing Jesse has which his parents never were like, hey, you got to be this, you got to be that. They're like, be you. Yeah. Uh, screw the rest. Um, they, they can think whatever they want, but you are Josiah Hansen, and there's something that's special on your life and pursue what God has for you. For, for you. So uh, I think having parents that don't put Saul's armor on, on their kids uh, are a huge blessing. Yep. I mean, basically the same answer. My parents were... Um, have always been encouraging to being my, my own person and uh, also listening to what I have to say about church and and uh, my my ideas, my opinions. Ever since I was a kid, um, my mom famously one time preached and said, I care more about what my son thinks about the church than you do. And she said that to the congregation. Wow. And, wow. Uh, and she really lived up to that, though. Um, she, she was really worried that me and my sister, uh, what we thought about the church. And uh, if there was anything that we, uh, obviously, it, you know, there's some uh, adolescent stuff and, you know, I don't like such and such pastor. It was like, well, they'd walk us through that and why that person's doing that or what certain events or whatever. But but, <laughs> but they, they, they definitely listened to, to both me and my sister when it came to that. And, um, and also just having to, that this is what what I've learned a lot about um, from Taylor is just honoring my parents also and uh, mm -hmm. um, being patient in it and not 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 um, wanting to take over too quick and uh, yeah. or it's something like that just kind of working together rather than waiting until it's my turn. So thank God that my dad is is pretty much open. My mom also and uh, and. And thank God for friends like Taylor that helped me be patient in the middle of the process. Yeah, there's there's something interesting here, and forgive me for interrupting you, uh, Steph. There's a you know there's, there's a book called uh, Tale of Three Monarchs. It's a famous book. If you haven't, if someone here listening hasn't read it, you must. It's the story of using uh, Saul, David, and Absalom, and how the three different behaviors really. Uh, matter. Uh, so Saul believed David was an Absalom, and Absalom believed David was a Saul, but David was neither a Saul or an Absalom. And the, the whole story there is how are we going to, uh, I don't know, just ha have the heart of God in not being subversive to the ones above us, uh, standing at the door saying, hey, I could do it better, you know, and, and then not believing also that those below us are 
are out to take us out instead of believing the best of those above us and those below us it really gives us the heart of God and positions us for honor. Uh, what Jesse's talking about. Yeah. That's beautiful. What a great way of laying it out. And I love that you both are bringing up your parents because you guys both have incredible parents. And I, I look at you guys now, your dads, you guys are getting to be parents. Now <laughs> you have kids who are being raised up in ministry. And what are some of the things that you learned from your parents in terms of how they did it? I mean, Jesse, you mentioned one right there, your parents didn't cater to you, but they showed respect to you from a young age. That's pretty incredible. What are some of the other things that you learned from them that you're like, this is how I got to do it with my kids? Yeah. Uh, my parents were never really against, um, things like, uh, secular entertainment, or mm -hmm. if I wanted to dye my hair a certain color or shave it off, which I, I wish I wouldn't have shaved my head when I was younger, cause that would be <laughs> the default when I grew older, <laughs> but, um, it, it when I turned, you know, 15, 16, they never cared about piercings and things like that. Um, but they were very strong when it came to lying or losing trust, not telling them uh, from how I'm doing to what have I done. Uh, so there was definitely a culture in our household of trust and also honesty and being vulnerable and all that and creating kind of a, a safe space to I knew that I could run to my parents if I was in trouble, and I knew that I could run to my parents if I was in sin. Um, they, they would they would always take care of me in that situation, not not be overly demanding or judgmental or anything like that. Um, and at the same time, help me get out of those situations. So that's something I'm trying to um, do with my son: just create a world of where he could be honest and be be what God has called him to be. And at the same time, any weaknesses he has that I'm there to support him and help him in them um, and, and be there. So that, that's a big one for us. So that's good. huge. I, I, I would say pretty similar. Uh, I think the emphasis on our side was my parents never expected me to be anything in ministry ever. Yeah. And that's such a, such a, uh, a loaded question every time someone asks you, oh, are you going to be in ministry like your parents? And yes. my parents, my parents were the first ones saying, I, I don't know what he's going to be. He's going to, he's my son. He, he, that, that's to my sister. That's my daughter. And, and I'm, I'm so thankful. In fact, they encouraged me to pursue sports. They encouraged me to pursue uh, endeavors and, and creativity. And it wasn't until I was 18 that I told my parents, hey, I think God's calling me. They were, they were shocked. And it wasn't any expectation on their part. It was more them praying and yeah. and just desiring the best for me instead of desiring a specific role for me. And I think that's that was that was super freeing. So as a father, I'm, I'm me and my wife we're trying to do the same for our daughters. In that, uh, hey, our expectation is I want you to love me as a father, um, even when you're you are a parent, and I don't want any resentment. You know, so uh, no, no pressure in ministry there. Yeah. So what would that look like for you guys if your kids start to show an interest in ministry and they start to talk to you about it? How do you how do you nurture that? Game on. I mean, yeah. let's go for it. it but it, it definitely has to be their initiative. Like, for instance, our, our mm -hmm. second daughter, Sayla, she serves on Sundays and she serves in any area, nook and cranny she can find. 
Uh, but our oldest, uh, Misha, she doesn't want to serve on Sundays. But she she attends and she's happy and that's cool. There's space for both. And there's there's no privileged treatment for either one. It's just, okay, you do you and see what God does in those different expressions of your faith. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's dealing with the realities that there's these the pressures of people watching you. I mean, you guys know, you grew up as MKs, PKs, everybody's watching. Mm-hmm. And yeah. there is sometimes that pressure feeling like you need to be a certain way, but it sounds like your parents yeah. kind of protected you guys from that to a degree, which is pretty yeah. incredible. Well, I admire you, Stephanie. I mean, I just saw that video of your daughter's name is Macy, right? Yeah. Of her teaching in, in chapel there. That was awesome. And mm-hmm. uh, uh, that's, that's really cool that you have that space for her too, that, you were able to, you know, she looks like she's, she's, she's on fire. <laughs> ah, thanks. Well, we did kind of what you guys were just mentioning. She was mm-hmm. curious uh, about going to ministry school. We used to have Highlands College teams come to all, all the time um, doing yeah. missions trips. And, and then being a part of our internship there at Community Vida. And she's like, I want to go to Highlands College. And I kind of played devil, devil's advocate with her. I was like, I, are you sure? What about, mm-hmm. what about not? What about just pursuing like a regular academic degree at a regular school? Because I remember when we were church planting back in the day, they told Danny and I, if you can think of any other job you want to do, do that. Don't church plant. Like they tried to push us away from it, knowing if it was on the inside of you, you'd fight for it because you can't run from God's call. Well, you can if you want to pull mm-hmm. a Jonah, but it doesn't work out well. And yeah. so we, I kind of did the same thing. I was like, oh, Mace. And I pushed her intentionally a little bit in the other direction, knowing if it was strong enough inside of her, she'd fight back. Yeah. And I think in that fighting back, it was fun to see her take ownership of the decision. And I knew wow. that I knew that when she wanted to go, it was because she wanted to go and not because she knew we wanted her. Her, her to go. It wasn't a pleasing thing. You also have to take into account your kids' personalities, don't you think? Because like some kids mm-hmm. are just wired to please. Other kids are wired to kind of yeah. <laughs> push all the boundaries. Yeah, yep. absolutely. This is so, this is so different. I mean, even, even in your case, Steph, Madeline uh, has, has special needs and there's definitely a, a place for her, her expression in the kingdom. It's different mm-hmm. than what than Macy would be, but it's not mm-hmm. inferior. And it's a journey to find wh- wh- where that ends up landing or, or how the journey ends up unfolding. And that's, again, I, I echo what Jesse said. It's beautiful how you and Danny uh, are, are raising your two daughters in such a, a kingdom minded way without pressure. I love it. Yeah. Thanks you guys. Well, that's the beauty of a relationship. I think we all get to watch each other and learn from each other. And yeah. uh, it's really helpful. It's helpful because you don't know what you're doing as a parent. You're doing the best you can, <laughs> but you're just trying yeah. to figure it out. And then you're watching your own parents. I mean, the way that they did things, yeah. With yeah. us, you know, it makes me think back to when I first started working for my dad back before we moved to Peru back in the day. And I'm curious to ask you guys about this. I remember when I started working for him and all of a sudden I had to do this role switch where he was my dad before and then now he was my boss and my pastor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was that was weird for me in the beginning. I don't think I knew how to make that switch. What was that like for you guys when you had to make that switch yourselves uh yeah i i think it's still hard um i have to constantly apologize because you know uh, i'll I'll be over familiar get a bit too aggressive in a meeting push a little too hard um 
and I'm I'm I mean I'm 35 and I could still turn into 15 year old Josiah, and it's very embarrassing and it's one of those struggles. It's kind of um, the cross to bear when you are you know son of the boss in a way. It's just uh, at least for me it's been. I don't know if everyone struggles with that. I'm pretty sure in some way or form or shape. Um, but but yeah, it's probably the most embarrassing part of of my ministry career uh, is, is are those moments that I turn into 15-year-old Josiah again. I love 15-year-old Josiah. I love that guy. <laughs> He's problematic. <laughs> yeah. That's why we're friends. Now, yeah. what, what, so what's, what's interesting is, obviously, my wife didn't grow up as the pastor's kid. Uh, she was just a part of a family of the church. So when we get married, she gets, like, just grafted into this situation which she does has no the on-ramp into being married to the mk or the the pk is really really just weird and yeah i remember ha having a conversation with her and just explaining uh because i i have weird relationships with her too i'm, I'm her boss on some levels i'm her husband um I, so it's just so I said one day she was complaining about something in the church. I'm like, okay, it's not fair because I don't know who you're talking to. So I always wear hats. I don't have one now. But uh, I, I just put one hat on and said, hey, this is your boss. And this other hat is your husband. Who do you want to talk to? And she was like, I'm talking to my boss. And so I'm like, all right, all right. So just, she just vented on me. And I, I just, I, as a boss, I just laid into her. I walked out of the room and she's just like teary eyed and I come back in with a, the other husband hat. And I'm going, your boss is a jerk. Oh, I want to beat him up. Come over here, honey. I love you. That's and, um, amazing. And, and it really just helped frame, um, okay, who am I talking to? And the same thing applies with yeah. um, my parents. They're my pastors. Um, there are our bosses. They are my, my parents, you know, and, I want to have a dad sometimes. I don't want to have a pastor, you know, mm -hmm. in them. Yeah. And it's so just understanding the roles that helps a lot. Yeah. Is it hard when you have those family times and spaces to not let work come into those? It always comes in. It yeah. it never it never doesn't. Um, and that and that's fine. You you learn to live with it. Well, I think it happens in marriage too. You go home and you're like, "We're not going to talk about work," and then and, th and then you don't talk. <laughs> <laughs> When it's your life, especially in ministry, it's hard for it not to come in to life sometimes. But I like what you're saying about hats. We actually, so I just do like a fake hat. So I don't do an actual physical hat, but I love that in your instance. It's a great way of signaling who you're talking to in that moment. I remember when I first worked uh, for my dad, you know, back to what I was saying. And the first, I think the first year I worked, or the first couple months I worked for him, I couldn't do the boss thing at all. And I remember him pulling me into the office this is me being real, real, like maybe a month in. And he's like, Stephanie, if you can't learn to figure this out, I'm gonna have to fire you. <laughs> and I was like, what? And I'm pretty sure I cried and it was like a whole thing. And I had to figure it out. Like he's not my dad here. And then I remember switching in the other direction where I kind of, did you guys ever have this experience? Like the awe of who my parents were hit me one day. And mm -hmm. I was just like, oh my gosh, I work for the coolest people ever. Like these people who all these people want to be with and learn from, yep. they're my parents. And for like a year, 
I was almost like awkward because I was so, I'm not saying this was your experience, but I felt just almost like, I don't even know how to relate to them as parents right now. Cause I, I, the honor factor set in for me, yeah. but it's these two, you're kind of holding the tension of those both. Yep. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think, I don't think it ever ceases. Like even for example, mm-hmm. I tell people often, I'm not here in Peru working with my parents because it's my parents. Actually, I love coming to the Vida. I love this church. Yeah. I want my kids to grow in this church. But yes. I also can't ignore the facts that they are my parents and I am here because of my parents. And, and so there's this weird duality of reasons that both are legit. One's yeah. not less legit. And I think there's a lot of um, shame in, in, in nepotism but I don't think nepotism is all that bad. I, I think when, when there's a, a a true heart, I mean, how does a, a carpenter extend? Like, there's families of carpenters, there's families of mm-hmm. of welders, there's families of craftsmanship, and I think that's such a cool advantage, you know, uh, to have if if it's used correctly. Absolutely, 100%. and. F- for you guys having parents who are lead pastors, I mean, because there's a lot of lead pastors who have kids, and there's kind of this expectation like, oh, someday, you know, the church goes to my kids, and there's all the weirdness that comes with that, because some kids aren't wired for it. Like, they aren't meant to be. It wasn't their thing. I even remember when my in-laws had their church, and they wanted to pass it on to us, and we just said, we don't feel called to be lead pastors. So it's not always a natural transition. But then sometimes it is, sometimes it is. And so for you guys, it's figuring out what that looks like with your parents and all the weird questions that I'm sure come your way, like, when are you going to transition? And are they going to pass it on to you? And are you going to take it? And it's not these clear black and white answers at all. And you guys are in that space right now where, I mean, we're all, Taylor, you and I, we're in our 40s. Hey, Josiah, you're not that far away where people really do start to ask those questions. So how do you stay in the game where you're at right now, being present, yet knowing there is a future coming? Yeah, uh, for me, that that's one of the things where, you know, all that fasting and praying to be Taylor's friend one day came into play. <laughs> um, I, I've really, <laughs> being close to um, and Pastor Robert and Taylor, um, and seeing how they work together was very inspiring yeah. because most of the time you see that passing on the baton, right? Just, just keep it going. And, and then what happens, you know, the one guy hands it over and just retires and walks yeah. away and, um, seeing them working together. I mean, we kind of had that going on, but I felt this pressure that, no, I have to do my own thing, you know, take it over one day and very, very black and white, you know, either you're in charge or you're not. And it was actually through our relationship with the Berrigers that we kind of learned that, um, you know, my, my, my dad, one of his greatest qualities as a leader is that he is a leader with open hands. You know, um, he, he really trusts those who work with him to, you know, do the, do the work and do it your own way. And we'll, we'll, get it together. Sometimes that could be a huge mess. Uh, but I, I wouldn't have it any other way. I'd rather that than the micromanaging, you know, style. And, um, but 
he's always been that way. He trusts any ideas. He'll let go. He'll, okay, yeah, you guys plan the, the conference or you guys want to switch up the service, go for it. You want to change something in the budget? Okay, I'll trust you. And it's, it's pretty incredible. And um, so for me, I have that, that privilege of serving um, this type of leader. And at the same time, he's my dad. And at the same time, I don't, I'm not, I have zero pressure to take over because we're leading this together in a way. Yeah. So, so, you know, he kind of jokes every time someone comes down and sees the church, he goes, well, Jesse leads it, you know, and, and it's not true. You know, I don't lead it. Uh, we, we both do, you know, there's some things that, that he lets me just, okay, yeah, run with it. And then there's other things I'm not going to even touch yet. You know, I'm not, I'm not ready for that. And, um, so there's, there's, it's kind of a weird way of saying it, but it's almost like a marriage, but between father yeah. and son in, in ministry, it's now we do this together. We're a team. And, uh, now I know my role in the team is to serve him first and, and listen to him. And, and a lot of that's come from, 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 t- from the Berrigers. So I'm very grateful yeah. for that. It's pretty cool. I think that's one of the main things me and Jesse have in common is open-handed parents that are also our pastors and they lead they lead so open-handedly that it's actually uh, they they make the mistake of being too open-handed where people Mm -hmm. people take advantage of it constantly but they still never stop being open-handed and it's the it's the it's the weirdest greatest example uh in how how i think jesus led us right so open-handedly there's a and I, and I don't I don't think I, I could be in ministry. I don't think Jesse could be in ministry if we didn't have that freedom. We've talked about uh, burnout before, and I think for us in particular, freedom is a big antidote to burnout, where just the struggle of of the pressure and the grind of the lack of freedom will kill us. It'll kill me. Hundred um, percent. And I'm so thankful for that freedom. So it has I say this it has more to do with my parents than it has to do with me. The fact that. I'm able to work with my parents at, at yeah. such a level. Same, I think, goes for our wives. You know, I don't know if that the, that freedom yeah. coming from from both Chana and my wife Mimi, uh, just letting us do our thing. You know, and 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 you know, us also supporting and doing let yeah. them do their thing. But just kind of that open-handed, you know, marriage yeah. also helps a lot with that burnout aspect. Yeah. There's a, Steph, there's a conversation I had a long time ago with um, Pastor Willie George, uh, Church on the Move. Uh, his son yeah. Wit took over a few years back, and he gave a teaching, and it was just the, the most amazing teaching. He talks about the way of the world versus the way of the kingdom, and the way of the world is monarch monarchies, where the king dies and the sons fight over the kingdom, or the generals tear up the kingdom, splitting it in, in five, ten pieces. Versus the way of the kingdom, which we have the patriarchs, not not the way right now culture frames the patriarchy, whatever. It's the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. And he says, Abraham, Isaac and Jacob are the model of the kingdom. And what he says, what we don't realize about the patriarchs is that Abraham um, set his tent next to Isaac and got and, and knew Jacob. And there's this overlap of generations with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, which is very interesting versus the way of the world, uh, they transition, one stops and the other begins. 
and and so in that i was i was just thinking a lot about this this overlapping transitions happening where you set camp next to each other and i go okay if that's the way of the kingdom how come it's the only way only time it happens in the bible i mean you have david solomon and rehoboam which is a failure and you you never see these three generations working together ever only with abraham isaac and jacob so i was reading a commentary about it and it said on the small print it said of the three isaac is the least referenced and i'm like what and so i read the asterisk and it said uh, there are very few messages and teachings upon that we've heard about isaac compared to abraham and jacob i mean we have so many messages about abraham and jacob few of isaac and it just hit me like a ton of bricks if that's the only time the, the kingdom model worked law of first mention however you want to frame it and if isaac is the key ingredient the least of these what i am an isaac my dad would be an abraham my my daughters would be a jacob okay that means less of me um to assure the next generation so it's not my job to be greater than my parents it's not my job to have more accolades or more uh, extend my my camp and do my thing my job is to lift my parents honor them and position the Jacobs. And that that's the most one of the most freeing things generationally is that, okay, I'm 42, I'm turning 43 uh, real soon. Time is ticking. What are you doing, Taylor? You're such a deadbeat. Uh, no, I'm, I don't care about transitioning. I care about positioning the next generation. And that that changes the whole game, you know, and if God wants to shine a light on on me, I'll let him do it. But I'll shine that light right back onto my parents or onto the next generation. I love that. And you know, when you think about kind of US culture, it's so individualistic that sometimes we focus so much on what is my individual calling and who has God made me to be, which is valid and great. But I think we miss out on a lot of cultures that are more collectivistic where they're recognizing, hey, yeah, God has a plan for my life, but I play a role in this greater plan. Yeah. And my role might not be thinking about the body of Christ and you know the body parts as, as Paul talks about. Maybe I'm not the I or this fantastic part. Maybe I'm a smaller part, but I'm willing to be that because I see, like Jesus says, the joy set before me. I see the greater purpose. I see what this is mm -hmm. supposed to be. So whatever my role is, that's my role. And if I'm Isaac, like hooray to Isaacs. I mean, he's in the Bible. Yeah. <laughs> He's, oh, he's, he's great. And I think, I think if, if everybody tries to see themselves as a Jake, as an Isaac, there'll be a time where you do become an Abraham, you know, where you transition into positioning the next generation and yeah. position them to position the next generation. And I think it can be uh, perpetual, you know, in, in a sense. And yeah. that, that's exciting. I like that as a mentality, not really worrying so much about who I am. But having mm -hmm. that mindset, knowing that God can elevate who he needs to elevate. He'll get us in the right place at the right time. Mm -hmm. Ah, what a great note to end on. You guys, thanks so much for coming on today. So for, oh, for everybody too. watching, listening, you don't even know the tech issues that we had setting up today. <laughs> we fought through it. It happened. We did it. This, we did it. This was take 15, <laughs> I think. Yeah. Probably. Living on the mission Probably. field. Right. <laughs> That's the truth. So you guys, Slow as we close out, 
Yes. Okay, so as we close out, what are the best ways for people to connect with you or find out more about you? Where's the where's the place they should head to? Probably Instagram, I, I guess. That'd probably be the best. Yeah, so, yeah, I think so. So yeah, it'd be my name for for me it'd be Josiah Hansen, all one one word. So And the same, Taylor Berger, all all together. Or and, and having also weird also names. yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll check out uh, La Fuente Ministerios and uh, mm-hmm. check that out. It's in Spanish, but the, the link will be below. Um, it will. And Camino de Vida. And I think those are, you get more of a picture of what we get to do. Yeah. Uh, Absolutely. Probably we'll be better. Not, not, probably not La Fuente if you speak English. We have an, our English organization is Heart for Mexico, number four. So Ooh. Heart for Mexico. H4MX.org. You can... Okay, there. perfect. You guys pass me all those and I'll make sure to link to them. And uh, both Taylor and Josiah are living as missionaries on the field. So they, as much as they are part of the countries they're in, they yep. and their families are serving there, just like the majority of you who are listening today. So you guys, thanks again for coming on. This was so fun. It was so fun. fun. Thank you. Appreciate you um, both. Thank you, Stephanie. Yeah. And for everybody else, we will see you on our next episode. Since 2008, Modern Day Missions has been providing financial, administrative, and marketing services to Christian missionaries around the globe. We're currently partnered with more than 750 missionaries in 75 different nations. If you or someone you know are looking for a nonprofit covering to fulfill your mission's vision, Modern Day could be the answer you're looking for. Find out more at modernday.org.